Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Appreciate it. Arif Halaby, the total financial hour. That's me talking about your family's finances. Of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. I want to get into a fairly serious subject today because I think a lot of you are, un, uh, I don't know if it's unconvinced or uh, maybe just need a little bit more evidence to believe that money between you, your financial professional, um, that they don't take it the same level of seriousness as you do or should. Okay, let, let's be clear on this. One of the stalwarth uh, opponents of moving your money outside of the risk world is obviously the the folks on Wall Street, right? They stand behind everything they say. They say, "Stay with it. You're you're in it for the long haul. Uh, don't worry. Everybody loses money." In fact, I'll share with you something uh, a little bit later of what a client shared with me this past week that would shock you, I think, because uh, I'd never heard him say it out loud to a client. I've heard him say it privately, but never to a client, and this was pretty amazing to me. It goes to show you that their level of bulliness uh, that they that they are. I mean, not all of them, of course. You're going to say, oh, but my guy, my lady, my son, my daughter, husband. Some of them are great people. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying the industry has taught them to think a certain way. And when they think a certain way, when they act a certain way, uh, the results are you ride the roller coaster all the way down. And if you're lucky, you can get off sooner or later and not lose everything or half of it or three quarters of it. Because there are reasons and ways to do that. So part of the financial strategy that people talk about when they, they say, oh, I want to retire. You know, I want to be rich. I want to be a millionaire, multimillionaire, whatever their numbers their, their numbers are. I want you to do a couple of things. First of all, you got to write down how much do you have today for retirement. I'm not talking about the money you're going to use to repair the roof or next year's vacation. No, no, no. Retirement dollars, right? Because every dollar has a job to do. You know, I started in this industry in, well, I started as, uh, as an investment, um, I don't know, not a professional, but trading and investing in my own stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that kind of thing when I was in 1986, when I was a kid, if you will, 18 years old. So from 18 to 28, right, I did it just for myself and, you know, friends would come up and uh, folks would come up and say, hey, what do you think, you know, my, at my job as a police officer? They'd bring their deferred comp statements after roll call and say, hey, where would you put this? What do you think about that? Right, so we, that was just part of my life. 
it wasn't until I, I got scammed and ripped off, right, 27, 29, 29 years ago, I guess by now, that I thought, wait a second, I'm a smart guy. I carry a gun as a police officer. These guys still decided they were able to rip me off. Well, that's, that's not cool. How did this happen to, quote, a smart guy? Well, reality was they were playing a different game than I was, right? I was playing flag football. They were playing tackle football. And you don't realize that, well, the ball looks the same. The court looks the same, uh, right? The field, uh, the lines, the referee, boy, he, he has stripes on his jersey. Well, then aren't we playing the same game? No, you're not, sir. No, you're not. And some of you are doing that same thing. You're playing f- uh, flag football when you're talking about uh, the conversations with your financial professionals and they're playing full contact NFL type football. So you have to be very clear about this because if you're not playing the same game with the same level of emotions and the same rules, then you end up in a different place. For example, client called uh, her previous financial, and I say previous because now she she's with us. Uh, and she shared with me this last week. She said, you know, I called my financial professional. She shared with me the company. You would all know it. It's one of those two-word firms. And she said, I, I told him, listen, look how much money I've lost. And it's been this, it's gone down this far. She lost almost $200,000 from January to now. She said, this year, year-to-date statement that I have, it's horrible. You know, the first six months of the year, I lost over $200,000. And so trying to use big words to convince her. Now, this lady is a single lady, never been married. She's an expert in her field, in her career field. She doesn't understand financial stuff like most people, at least not on the same level as the, as the broker should. Sure enough, son of a gun, he says what we all have heard financial advisors say privately in the, in the industry. So I guess you give him some kudos for saying it, you know, publicly, I guess, saying it directly to the client's face, because so many times these guys don't do it. Ready? (laughs) He says, listen, that was never your money to begin with. It's all just interest and earnings. Look at how much you put in. You put in X and look where it is. And yes, it's come down a little bit, but you never really, that, that was really never your money. She goes, what? When I talked to you at the end of the year, you told me it was my money. No, I didn't. She said, yes, you did. You said, that's what I had in my account. I called you up. You said, here's what my statement says. Here's what it is in my account. You said, my my account, my money. That means me. It's not like I was holding it for somebody. This was my account. And he said, why don't you stop ready for this? Why don't you stop whining and just be happy with how much money you've already made? And you want to cause somebody to flame out Right. I mean, you've seen what people do at the fast food counter when they're when their hamburger isn't made just right, how they throw that across the room, you know, or their hot dog is cold. Man, Have you seen that? The chocolate shake is, is not chocolate. It's vanilla. We gave you the wrong one. Boom. Now you do this with somebody's life savings when they don't have a you know team of family or friends or corporations or in, in her case, she doesn't have a pension of any sort to take care of her. This is, It's her. And she's all right with the, that deal. But you just don't go, you just don't say that to somebody. You shouldn't even think that. So you, you, can you believe that? It was actually something that came out of his mouth. So I want you to know that because I want you to think of this in a couple of different ways. The emotional level that you have as far as an attachment and a concern to your money is real and it's legitimate and it's okay. 
All of these people that say, oh, well, you know, your money is just numbers on a piece of paper. No, 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 sir. No, it isn't. It's about, uh, oh, I get it. My air conditioning working. It's about me being able to go to the store and say, oh, look at the price of meat. That's okay. I could still afford it. It's about me filling up my car with gas and not having to make a decision to shut off the air conditioner later today for the next three weeks to pay for it. So yes, it's numbers on a piece of paper, but it's my peace of mind. It's the ability for me to sleep well at night. It's the ability for me to help my children or my parents or my grandparents or my grandchildren. Right? It's the ability for you to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. And I'm going to tell some of you, right? Uh, This is pretty important. I've had to share this with some of my family recently. Everybody says, oh, you always talk about money. Oh, it's about money. I go, so do you. Oh, no, no, no. I go, every decision you make, nearly every decision you make every single day is about money. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, you ready for this? Hey, let's go out for sushi. Oh, we can't. We already went. It's a little more expensive. Oh, huh. Hey, let's take that trip. You want to go up the coast? There's a great hotel. No, we can't stay there. We have to stay at a Motel 6. Oh, hey, hey, why don't we fly? You know, it's way more comfortable in first class. Let's fly, let's fly back to where we're going, but let's do it in first class. Oh, we can't. We got to fly on a Tuesday. Uh, red eye over. Oh, huh. It's about money, isn't it? Hey, let's go do this. Let's go. Wow, we can't do that because I have to work. Huh. Why do you have to work? Well, no, it's about commitment. No, 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 no. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You know it's about money. You guys are not self-righteous who think money. Listen, I'm a believer. I'm a a Christian man. I care about that. Christ is the center of my life. I do my best to keep that. But you're a fool. And yes, I say that. You are a fool if you think you're supposed to be irresponsible or not pay attention to money because it affects everything in your life. It is a tool you're responsible to deal with. It is not your life. It's a tool of your life, right? No difference than understanding your car. You don't drive your car like a crazy person on the sidewalk and and go fast and slow and then watch the oil burn down to nothing and let the radiator empty in water and and, uh, abuse it, right? It's It's still a gift. I still think it's a blessing. It doesn't matter what type of car. It's a tool. You have to use it properly. You have to care for it. You have to to nurture it. You have to make sure that the the air in the tires, you don't have bald tires where you're going to endanger your family. The brakes are proper. I mean, you understand, right? We can go on and on. The roof on your home. Why would you ruin an asset, something that can fall apart if you don't fix the leak? You get it? Right? You have to maintain your home, car. Oh, and you ready for this? Your body. Yeah. Yeah, sitting there and eating three bags of chips while you're watching the latest reruns of something is not a healthy thing to do, right? Your knees, your back. Listen, I've been there, so the front of the line is me. You've got to be be paying attention to this stuff. Well, what's the difference between all of those other gifts and the money you're given? Some of you can live like a king on 50000 a year. Some of you can barely get by on 50000 a month. So I, I've seen everything, and I'm not... Judging that part of you, that's up to you. That's your your life. I'm all right with whatever it is that you choose. All of us would like the lifestyle of having a little bit more money. So guys, manage it properly. Now, what does that mean? Go back to school and become an expert? No. 
it means you should really sit down and find the right professionals that have the same values as you. I don't mean they like puppy dogs and walks in the, in the park and chocolate ice cream, although those aren't bad things. I mean they understand the value of not losing your money. You see, that's a trade-off, isn't it? I think it's okay to give up some of the higher rates of return because they're always temporary anyway. Or as Janet Yellen says, uh, your higher rates of return are transitory. Don't expect them to last very long. Right? If your broker said that, you'd be like, uh, excuse me, why am I paying all these fees then? The fees don't come back, but my profits do. Right? What the client last week should have said when the, when the guy says, uh, hey, uh, you know, this wasn't really your money. And uh, you should have said, well, then why do you charge me a fee on it? Why do you take some? Because I lost that. So give it back. Give back those fees that you took. Because I'm not sure what you paid for. But it certainly wasn't to protect my money. Because if it was, you did a crummy job. I want a refund. Right? I mean, there's parts of this that you have to sit down and ask yourself, where's the logic behind it? Because if you filled up your freezer full of uh, meat, and then you come back and the butcher's taking some of it out, and you go, where are you going? He says, well, I'm taking some of this meat back. You're like, why? I paid for it. Yeah, but it really wasn't yours. You haven't eaten it yet. It's just sitting in your freezer. Like, yeah, but I might someday. I plan on it. I mean, next weekend we have a big barbecue. Yeah, doesn't matter. Are you going to pay me back, Mr. Butcher? Nope. Nope. But, but that doesn't seem right. Right? My, my point is, you have purchased something. What did you receive? And I'm all right if you think their advice, their companionship, their meeting times, if you think all of that is worth it, I'm okay with that because it's your money that you're spending. So you decide, is it worth it or is it not? And if it is, great, then you've got something that you bought. You paid for it, you received it, happy. What I don't want you to do is to think that because you're passionate about it or because you mean it or because you stomp your foot or because you raise your voice, Right? That's the left, you guys. That's what liberals do. They scream and yell at things when they have no argument. They're screaming about abortion left and right. Great. Just listen. I, I don't understand it all. Just tell me, when is it a human being? Well, we can ask science because before it used to be we could only have babies survive at eight months. Now seven, six, five. It looks like a person. It's a heartbeat. You tell me when that is. My faith is one thing. But I'm, I'm smart enough to understand that in a nation of 400, 300 million plus people, not everybody has the same faith as I do. So my faith is one. But we have to make laws for the nation. Is it two and a half months? Is it four weeks? Science, tell me, when does it look like a baby? Walk, right? You would do walk like a duck, talk like a duck. When is that? When is it a baby? And I'm good with that. Before that, it's a bunch of cells and it's the woman's choice. After that, it's the man, woman, and baby's choice. Right, if you're asking a man to pay for the life of this child for 18 years, it's called child support, and you're asking the woman on the other side to carry the baby for nine months, right? the man has to do things for 18 years. The woman has to carry the baby for nine months. I know some of you that are even conservative think this is a bad uh, idea or, or you're pro-abortion uh, or whatever it's called, pro, pro-choice. Right? Okay. We find an agreement or a disagreement. We shake hands and we move on. 
What does the left do? Boy, they light things on fire. They throw things. They, they stand. They scream. Let me scream really loud because maybe you don't understand. You guys aren't that way. Right? That's what a two-year-old does on aisle four at the grocery store. They throw crap around. They, they lay on the floor. They scream and yell. Like, oh, you're going to grow up and be a good little liberal. Come on. Come on, little Democrat. Get up. We'll get you whatever you want. Just don't make a scene. You guys understand that. It used to be kindergarten teachers and first grade teachers. Man, they were the best. Because they understood the child behavior. Yes, they taught one plus one is two and A, B, C, D. Yes. But they understood how to remove the emotional component that a parent usually does when, no, 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 just don't scream, just don't scream. What do you want? I'll get you anything. And now we're convincing our first and second grade and the kindergarten teachers and preschool teachers, right? They want to sexualize children. Take a look at the law. The law says something very serious, right? You, you realize that the sexualization of children happens even without physically touching them. This is important because those are words that are being used to groom these kids. Well, what's the difference when you're being groomed as a financial uh, client and you're trying to walk down this road of, listen, uh, they they didn't physically steal money from me. Okay, so that's fine. They didn't physically steal. Okay, I get it. But this is your life savings, you guys. Somewhere in this conversation between the screaming and yelling of, of a child and the sexualization there, the screaming and yelling of abortion rights and, and pro-life, the screaming and yelling of, you guys have to have a, a, an area where you say, oh man, this is a pretty, pretty emotional topic. I'm going to set that aside on the, this side of my brain and then the other side of my brain, I'm going to speak logically. You can later go out and kick, uh, you know, kick the, uh, a wall or, or a punching bag or something. I mean, you can scream, yell, and fight later. But when you're sitting in front of your financial professional, you wouldn't tolerate other things from a from a verbal standpoint. Don't tolerate them just giving you big word, big word, I'm smart, you're not, sign here. Keep things simple and easy to understand. That's what I tell them. I, this is what I tell you. When you come in to see me, let me give you my number again, guys. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. When you come in to see me, I'm going to say, listen, my goal is to keep things simple and easy to understand. Is that something you want? If you're good with that, then we're off to the races so far. If you're saying, well, I want to see the way the charts work with the Black-Scholes principle with the bifurcation of the... I'm going to say, wow, whew, you're pretty smart. I'll tell you what, you need to show that smarts to somebody else because it's not something I can help you with. Because I'm not a junior college teacher that's going to sit down and give you that one semester course. I had a, a great, the guy was a friend, still is a friend, came in to talk to me. The questions he's asking about all the details and the depth of, of the, the, what's the model and the way that they, I'm like, listen, buddy, are you serious? Are you serious? Does anybody ever ask the window washer? Ask the window washer, excuse me, what, uh, what's the chemical makeup of the water that you use? Well, I use water and then a proprietary. Well, I'm not going to accept proprietary. What do you use? Well, I use a little bit of vinegar. Okay, now the rubber on the, the squeegee. Let's talk about this because the rubber on the squeegee is very simple to me. I mean, you understand that was that made, I'm just going to ask, in China or the United States? 
Was it thoughtfully sourced? I mean, the rubber from the rubber trees, are we talking Brazil here? I mean, right? Would you guys do that? Now you're going to say, Eric, the window washer does not go and manage the rest of my financial life. You are right. Do you want me to go and use an example of the automobile that has you hurling through the air at 65 miles an hour and find out what's the the chemical makeup of the seatbelt? Was it done in a proper manner? The guy that built the seatbelt, let's talk about that. Did he have a good night's sleep the day before? Because he's putting the seatbelt together and this is going to save your life. Then we'll get into the airbags. I mean, you understand there's a moment in time when you have to leap. It's called faith. It's called trust. It's called respect. So I get that side of things. But the foundation has to be the same. It's why the left is so good at being this, uh, what do they call it, ESG or, or the, the socially acceptable and you're going to get credits. China does this in a totalitarian system. You get credits. How many times you like something on Facebook, it's the same idea. How many times you show up to this particular rally? Are you really enthusiastic? In North Korea, do you know in North Korea when the uh, dear leader shows up, if you are caught being the first one to sit down and not uh, continue clapping, then you are disciplined. He has to tell you when to stop clapping for him. So sometimes people will stand for three, four, five, eight minutes, clapping, clapping, enthusiastically clapping. Do you understand those types of credits are exactly what you get when you show up in the left's world of the United States? And there are companies that are cowards that are falling for it. So where I want to go with this is very important. Because I'm going to touch on something that's a little bit sensitive. So if you have little kids in the room, consider the next uh, first part of the next half hour, maybe asking them to step out for a minute. Because when we come back, I'm going to share with you some things that occurred when I was a Los Angeles policeman. Ten years, seven months, and three days. Until a guy blew a stop sign, crashed into my police car, March 8 at 8.32 in the morning. It's weird that I know all that. 1994. Right? I didn't start in this industry until 1996, summer of 96, June to be exact. Because the, after that I got ripped off, I got scammed, I had to go back to school, I tried to figure out what happened. So I share this with you so that you understand my perspective. It's not just I read it in a Reader's Digest or on the plane flying from one place to another on some free movie. This is important. Because I'm going to share with you one of the jobs that I had. Because in any police department there's numerous jobs. All right, from the bike patrol to beach patrol, SWAT, undercover, narcotics, vice, you get it. So I'm going to share with you some of the, the conversations I had and why I think it's so applicable to what you're dealing with today in the financial world. Because you have to understand the way that most of the financial advisors speak. I don't mean they're bad, please. Every time I say that, you're going to say, oh, they're bad. No, they were trained. No different than an electrician is trained or a mechanic is trained, they're trained. And when all you hear all day long is the same conversation, the same big words, if they don't have the ability to transfer those words into English to you, then it's a, it's a condescending conversation. And you leave there more confused than when you arrived. I never want that to happen in my office. 
There has to be more clarity when you leave, not less. There has to be more confidence in us as a firm, not less. There has to be more of an understanding of what it takes financially for you to succeed, not less. So I want you to be clear on a couple of things, right? Every financial professional is not the same. Just like every car salesman is not the same. But there's enough of them to where people can say a car salesman joke. And when they do, everybody laughs because they know. You follow me? Same thing with the insurance salesman. There's enough of them. They say the joke. Everybody laughs. Because you know. But are there good insurance people? For sure. Financial? Yes. Uh, Advisors, stockbrokers? Amazing ones. Okay, so let's stay clear with that. Stay with me after the, after the break. I'm going to get into some experiences I had as a police officer. How do I explain that in the financial world? Although it's been 27 years, 28 years, I still think that there is a way for you to have uh, some understanding and a comparison. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. AM870, the answer. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me on 888-997-3847. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hallaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Hallaby, the total financial hour, your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Talking about, uh, listen, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. That's what we usually talk about. I'm getting into some of the emotional and uh, conversational things that we hear when we are speaking with, I always say, our financial professionals. But it happens with attorneys. It happens with CPAs. uh, Anybody who is generally highly educated but not highly trained on how to deal with people. Highly educated, not highly trained. People say, oh, I've been doing this for 20... It doesn't matter how many years. If you've done it wrong for 22 years, then you're going to be wrong for 22 years. You understand that? If you can take a nuclear scientist and he can teach at a community college level, then I say that's a pretty smart guy. But if you take a nuclear scientist and he can speak at a conference in Denver on nuclear science, okay, well, that that's a smart person, but they can't communicate to people that are not as sharp as they are, don't have the background, or don't have the, the foundation. So you follow me on that? I wanted to share with you something. Uh, you can see whether or not it's applicable, where it fits. But when you subscribe regular emotions that you and I have to a criminal element, you realize it doesn't work. I'll give you a great example. I started seeing patterns. Remember, I was a policeman at 21, so I started seeing patterns at a young age. I still lived in my parents' garage. I, I, um, we had a bedroom there. I didn't have any heat or air conditioning, but I had carpet, so that was comfortable. It's an amazing thing to, to be raised in a family where family mattered, and frankly, I was happy to have my own space, so that was kind of nice. But from the eighth grade till I was 23, when I moved out and, and bought a home with my wife, we had to figure out a couple of things. So my life was not of the world being expo- exposed to uh, an understanding of things. It was 
through the lens of a Los Angeles policeman, can I say just a bit skewed? Oh, maybe, just maybe, sort of. When you subscribe regular emotions that you and I have to criminal behavior, for example, when a lady is attacked, when she's raped, when she's sexually assaulted, we used to, I used to see that she said, please stop. She would beg him, don't, don't. Oh, no, please. I have family. I'm pregnant. I have kids. Don't hurt me. They're in the other room. Promise you won't hurt my children. Horrible things. Get it? I mean, just not nice things. But what does the bad guy do? Nothing. Because you might as well be speaking Chinese and giving him, you know, the, the latest stock market tips. Because the idea of a criminal... Uh, having that level of emotion or empathy or going, oh, you know what? You're right. I didn't even think about this. I was going to attack you today. But part of the problem is I didn't even realize that, man, you probably have a family and people that love you. So when did the bad guy leave? When you fought back. Because the only language that a bad guy understands. Listen, I was a Democrat. I was a liberal coming out of college starting the police department. The only language that a bad guy understands is violence, superior violence. When I was a black belt, I still am a black belt in martial arts. I used to teach, uh, I've been a black belt since I was 19 years old, jujitsu. I don't share that to, you know, whatever. I'm older now. <laughs> I'm in my 50s. But in all the tournaments and all the times that I taught for, for 15, 20 years, here's what I always understood. When I would teach women's self-defense courses, I would teach them this way. You have to have overwhelming violence. I don't mean meet them where they are. I mean, this person is going to attack you. That means, uh, ready for this? I told you to keep the kids to the side. I mean, kicking them in the private parts. I mean, poking out eyes. I mean, grabbing the throat and pulling like there's no tomorrow. I mean, screaming and yelling. It doesn't matter if he has a knife to your throat. You have to make a decision. Sometimes the decision is to do nothing Maybe to save your life or your kid's life. But I will tell you, they do not respond. They do not care. They will never listen to you when you say, please stop. I have kids. I'm pregnant. I'm a baby. That's a normal person's understanding of the language. So as I was preparing for the show, I, I tried to think about this. Like, why would I bring this up in the same conversation with a broker who's not, a, not an assaulter? Okay, it's because of this. Although it's been decades since I've been on that world. It's been one big thing for me that's always bothered me. And it's that, ladies, you have to fight back. You cannot reason, have a conversation. I'm sorry. I wish, I wish you could. I wish you could. But, but you have keys in your hands, a pen, a pencil. Right? Because you have to think. Women, you are so much stronger than you ever think. So much more. And it doesn't matter if you're 60 or 160 pounds overweight. It doesn't matter if you're older or younger. I've had 78-year-old women defend off bad guys and do some damage to them. So I'm, I'm sharing this with you. No bad guy ever says, excuse me, excuse me, uh, who did you vote for in the last election? No, no, no. Uh, excuse me, what is your opinion on capital punishment? I just want to know. And are you pro-abortion or anti-abortion? You know, just tell me what, what it is, please, please. Nobody cares about that. You have to fight back. So when I sp speak to the, to you about this in the financial world, you can't just sit there 
and and be like a, a bob in the ocean, like just going this direction over here, this direction over here. You have to fight back. So how do you fight back in the financial world? Well, number one, you don't speak Chinese to the guy. Excuse me, can you? I don't understand. So so how much? Da, 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 uh, no no no. That's not. They they don't care about that. The financial advisors, the brokers, they don't speak this language. They're good people, most of them. They're not these assault, you know, sexual assault guys. I don't, I don't mean to, to put them into that world because they're not. They're good human beings, most of them. But they don't speak your language. They don't. No different than when I try to get my car fixed and the guy says, hey, uh, you know, here's what's wrong with the cars. And I look at him and I said, so how much is it going to cost to fix it? Well, it depends. Do you want to do this? I go, so let's say your mom drives this car. And she's going to take a trip over the grapevine, down the other side, and across the Mojave Desert. What would you do to make sure the car worked for that? And he says, well, I would put the blah, 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 blah. I go, no, 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 just stop. Whatever the answer is, put it down. Give me the dollar figure. I'll say, yes, I can afford it, or no, I can't. If I can, I don't care about the rest of those details. Well, Eric, if you need to understand, it's not an insult, sir. It's, I don't want to learn the world of being a mechanic. I, I tried to be that. Uh, I tried to learn that stuff. It's way too complicated, right? I put brain surgeons and today's mechanic in the same intellectual bucket because both of them are dealing with things that take years of practice, years of experience, and a, le- a level of education I never want to get to, right? So so when a financial professional starts to use, well, we're going to use this to bifurcate the, uh, the portfolio and then by using the indexes against the... Uh, Say, listen, buddy, this is your mom's money. What do you do? I just want to know. I need to retire at this date. I want to retire at this date. I don't like my job. It's time to make a change. Whatever the word, whatever it is. So you just have to learn the language. So here is the language that I want you to have with your financial professional. And if he or she gets it, they'll get it. Because sometimes we can snap out of it, right? I'm sure like everybody, I was one of those people. Right, I, I just snapped out of it. I went, oh, wait, look how confused that person looks. Instead of using that as a sense of power, which a lot of professionals do, right? Electricians, plumbers, they use it as a sense of power. Look at how smart I am. They are putty in my hands. No, I went, oh my gosh. Uh, they, don't, they don't understand. So I would back up find a a place that they understand and then start walking down a road until I saw that they didn't understand. Then I'd back up and then I'd go forward. But I never wanted them to be able to sit in my chair and one day you're going to be the best financial advisor ever. Just sit in this chair, sir. No, no, no. They have to be able to say, I understand what you're doing. I understand why we're doing this. And here's what we, here's my approval. Right? When financial professionals, and this bothers me to no end, because I was the king of the financial needs analysis. I was. So much so that they flew me to Atlanta as part of a group to teach other financial professionals. This is back in 1998 or so. 1998 or nine, something like that. They said, oh, this is the, you have done more of these than just about anybody. Because they're all computer generated and it, it kicks off a notification. And they, they can pull up your name and say, oh, you've done 110 of these this month or whatever it was. Right, this, this year And they could see how many you've done. Oh, okay. But here's the problem. Those things are designed to make, maybe not all of them, right? I haven't seen every financial analysis in the world. So 
so pay attention for a minute, all right? I've never seen one that that is designed to make it easier for you to go, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. All of them, though, are designed for one thing. Well, look how smart I am. I am the financial advisor with the CFXY and the CLUP. Look at these initials after my name. Here's this portfolio, leather, real leather, cowhide, Argentinian cowhide, to be exact, stamped and embossed with your name on it. And if you take a look here on page 74, it'll show you how smart I am. That's Every one of them has some sort of a component to show you how smart they are and not for you to understand. Now, many of you can understand a big part of this. Fantastic. But I will promise you, I can ask you three or four words, or three or four questions. And in most cases, you're going to have no clue what that means. None. And so it doesn't mean you're bad or dumb. It just means the basics of your portfolio, of your financial whatever group of dollars you have, between savings and checkings and CDs and all of that. Here's what you need to do. Each account, and by default, each, each dollar, has to have a job to do. You tell me what the job of this money. So I'm going to give you examples of the job so that we're speaking the same language. I know I'm using this word, but it's, let's make sure that the language is the same. If each dollar has a job to do, then you can put it in the place that best fits that, best fits that purpose. For example, is the job to be available at a moment's notice for emergencies? And you can go through a list of emergencies from medical co-pays to you have to get an a, a immediate uh, first-class ticket because everything else is sold out to get to the East Coast for a family funeral or, or somebody's passing away and you need to be there in a moment's notice. You've got to fly tonight, so you're paying top dollar on the airline ticket. Right? Those kinds of emergency dollars. New roof on the house. The rain is coming. We need a new roof. Tires on the car. Breaks. You understand. Things that have to be done sooner rather than later. That's emergency dollars. The job is not, and let's be clear on this, it is not to earn the most amount of interest, to be tax deferred. Those are different jobs. To be available to give me lifetime income. Nope. It's emergencies. Things like that that I mentioned, okay? Is it, here's another job. I just mentioned it. Is it designed to get as much interest? We have to, to double down. We have to fight hard. You have to be pretty aggressive. Is the goal to be pretty aggressive, meaning we could probably lose some, maybe even most of your money, or you could double it by the weekend, right? Is it that kind of money? Is it the risk money? Would it be the same dollars you would take to Las Vegas or put on that, the Kentucky Derby horse that, you, that you've loved and you've watched? Or bet on sports if you're, you know, NASCAR, basketball, whatever it is. Is it something like that where you probably could lose it, but if you win, man, are you going to win big? Okay? That kind of money. That is a risk money. That's an aggressive money. That is not to pay your electric bill next month. It is designed to double or triple by the weekend or next month or next year. It's a riskier play. Okay. Crypto goes in that world, right? We've lost 50% or more of crypto in the last six months. You tell me how many of you have 50% less bills in the last six months. No. Okay, so, so that's the job. Income. There's another job. It's called income. You might have a great pension. In fact, some, one of the letters I'm going to get to 
the second hour of the program. Stay tuned. I have some amazing uh, letters, emails that I want to read to you and how income plays a role in what we're talking about with one of the, certainly with one of the, the letters. Income. It's got a job to do. Give me a monthly check. Pay my bills. Help me, help me survive and, and travel and give to my charities and do the things I want to do, the causes I want to stand up for. And that makes a big difference because income equals peace of mind. Guaranteed income means sleep well at night. And that is part of the job of that money. Now, so that we know retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks, that is the best job for them is to be an income stream. Here's why. The IRS has laid out all these rules over the years that says you can access those funds And when you do, after age 59 and a half, you'll be taxed on them, income tax. But the income tax that you pay on it is going to go directly to your uh, bottom line of income, and it's taxed as what's called ordinary income. That's usually the highest tax bracket that anybody pays. Not capital gains, but ordinary income. All right, ordinary income tax is tiered, meaning if you make a little bit more, then you pay this, and a little bit more, then the percentage goes up. So the more you earn, the higher in taxes, percentage-wise, you pay. So you want to be able to have retirement accounts that are designed and built by the IRS and and Congress, and and the president signs those bills. You want to have those accounts that are designed for income to give you that job of income. Right? So that's the, that's the trade-off there. Don't put a square peg into a round hole. It has to fit. The other part, or another job that you might have, is I want to be available to defer my taxes. So yes, I sold a house. I have $500,000. What do I do with that money? Well, let's set it aside. Let's earn interest, but I don't want to pay taxes on the money because I don't need it right now. Great. Let the interest continue to grow. Compound. Interest on interest on interest. Keep growing. Keep growing. Then when the time comes and you want to access the money, okay, now it's taxable, but you can manage those taxes, right? You can decide, give me a little bit. Oh, not too much. Give me a little bit here, but not too much. You can adjust it as you go. That is a very big deal because there are also ways to have money that once it's taxed, you'll never pay taxes again on it. Now, your financial professionals should be having conversations with your CPAs. I usually do eh, one or two times a week, depending on, on the week. It's either a three-way call with the client. It's uh, you have permission to talk to my CPA. Here's her number. I call her on the phone. Or you have permission, uh, or we meet with them in person, or we do a Zoom call. That happens pretty frequently. Because I think part of what you're doing is, is should be doing, rather, is to have that team of people that all speak the same language, right? I mean, you realize the the conversation about your financial life, most politicians, I don't mean the career ones, I don't mean the leaders, the Pelosi's and the and the Chuck Schumer's and, and some of the, most of those guys are, are millionaires and mega millionaires, right? They have amazing pensions, they have amazing, uh, they call them thrift savings plans, where they put money into their own retirement accounts, right? They're making nearly 200000 a year and they get to spend, they get a budget. So in each case, right, depending on where you are in the food chain, you have a budget per year. Let's say $1.9 million to run your office. 
That pays for your satellite offices in your district. It pays for your employees back home and in in Washington, D.C. It allows you to pay your chief of staff a certain amount of money. You can pay them more, but that means you've got to pay somebody else less. You can have four employees instead of three, but you've got to pay them. You still have the same amount of dollars to work with. With that comes a travel budget to go back and forth to your district. Usually it's once a month or twice a year, whatever it is, it's laid out. But the key is this. How do these people retire multimillionaires? How did Diane Feinstein, a PTA president, yeah, that's what she was. That's how she got into politics, was as a, as a PTA president. Now she's, she's lost her marbles. She's, she's poor baby. It's another example, right? Her and Joe Biden, they both have no business being in a position of power. But instead of the left saying it's time for you to go on and bum rush them out the door, can you say Supreme Court Justice? <laughs> Poor guy, Breyer. They just said, uh, what, he probably had, here's, here's I think how it went. Uh, he's at a party, half a glass of wine. He's a, he's a thin guy, small in stature. And somebody, uh, somebody says, so what do you think? He goes, oh, I'm thinking about retiring, maybe this year or next. Man, it gets out in the news. Before you know it, he goes to sleep that night, wakes up in the morning, and Justice Breyer is going to retire. But the wheels are in motion, and before he, before he gets back to the office, his stuff is packed up in a box on the corner. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? Oh, you're going to retire, and so we already have this uh, female black that we're going to be nominating, and uh, was it a female of color, a woman of color? But how, do you, how do you do that? She doesn't even know what a woman is. But I digress. Right. Those people are the ones that make the decision. But what about all the others, right? The other 435 minus those five or 10 or 20 of them. Most of them are broke. They've never run a business. Listen, the reason I like Mike, Mike Garcia is very simple. Mike's run a business before. Right? He's, he's a congressman who's got a job to do. It's very simple. It's just a bigger paycheck, right? With a lot more zeros behind it. So you have to be clear on a couple of things. You can understand the way Congress lays out these ideas. They're based on that emotion, those people screaming and yelling. Not based on what's best for you. Not understand, Not giving you an understanding of here's the words we're going to use so that you understand how Social Security works. Right? How many people come to me and they, they don't understand how Social Security works? Uh, every day of the week. Rarely do I ever get somebody, rarely does a day go by where somebody uh, understands what their social security system is all about, a uh, check or, or their paycheck or the, the formulas or anything. Nobody even knows that. And all of you are part of social security if you work. So don't trust your elected officials to ever be clear. They're going to scream and yell, right? Maxine Waters and all of those people. They don't care what you, what you think. Because it's the same cabal of people in their district that elect them. Right? Maxine Waters doesn't even live in the district in which she represents. She goes down there with her, you know, black uh, limousine or, or Chevy Suburban or Fort, whatever it is, group of people. Security guys jump out. She riles up the crowd, juices them up, lights them up on fire, and, and then goes back to her Hancock Park home. Which, by the way, if you're not clear on that, it's a very, very nice home with walls and fence and a security person with 
a gun. But don't worry, the people she just came from, they're not allowed to even protect themselves. So these are not the people I want you to trust. I don't want you to trust the advisors. I don't want you to trust anybody in your financial life that is not clear and concise and leave the emotion out of it. I don't mean all emotional uh, conversations are bad. They're great when I'm talking to my wife or my kids and, and that's part of that formula in that conversation. But they have nothing to do with one plus one equaling two. They have nothing to do with you choosing to retire here or to retire there. So how do you lay out your financial life? Very simple. You make it very clear on these two things. This is the bottom line for your financial life, regardless of the account. This is my opinion. Number one, how much did you put in? How much did you put in? What was your money that you put into that account? And what is it now? And then what did it cost you to get there? What were the fees, expenses, charges? Don't just say the word fee because fee is one of maybe a dozen different ways that they can take money from your account. When you say fee, they say, oh, it's $25. No, no, what about my expense charges? What about my 12B1 fees? What about my M&E charges? And on and on and on and on. Rider charges, right? There could be lots of ways that they take money from your account. So your question is, what is my total cost? Total cost. I don't want you to say the word total cost and then they use the word fee. No, no, no. Go back. Go back, sir. Sorry. Sorry. What was my total cost again to get from here to here? Well, this per year. No, no, no. I didn't ask per year. Add up all the charges from the day that I put it in until today. So you can see how much did I put in? How much did I make? And what did it cost me to get there? Then you can make a decision. Yes, this is a good account or no, it isn't. All of the big words, you're going to have to keep bringing that financial professional back to reality. Staying with reality here at the second hour, I have two great emails for you. Stay with me. I'm Arif Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. Your email is coming up next on AM870, The Answer. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome back. If you're staying with us, I appreciate it. The total financial hour. I am Arif Halaby. Our second hour of the show, we're talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, reading your emails seeing if I can help find a solution, maybe a little one, maybe a big one, give you my opinion on what I think can work. And really what's more important is giving you clarity because every day we turn around in the financial world, they try to make things very complicated. Uh, It's really designed to be a lot more confusing like any job, any career, right? If you were to go start your car in the morning and they say, before you, you start your car, take a look at the fuel injections and and understanding that we're using, uh, we no longer have a carburetor system. If you understand the overall flow, you, you would say, uh, excuse me, sir, I just want to put the key in and turn it and have it work. 
I'm not interested in knowing exactly what's happening or where you're sourcing the rubber for my tires or what's, I just want to work. I just want, I just want it to do its job, right? You wouldn't work in any other industry when there's a CNBC or Fox business or any of those kind of financial channels and, and it gets just out of control. Nobody understands them. Now, if you're professional, you do, even if you're in avocation, if that's the thing that you like to do, of course. So let's go over this. This is pretty important. Your emails matter. They make a big difference because it helps with the show. Let me give you my email address. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at TFSWealth.com. TFS stands for Total Financial Solutions. TFS, just the initials, wealth as in a lot of money. So Arif at TFSWealth.com. Dot com. Okay, here we go. Uh, dear Arif, my husband and I are not in agreement on whether or not we should move outside of California when we retire at the end of the year. He is 67 and is at his Social Security uh, full retirement age. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Uh, FRA or full retirement age with Social Security today, for most of you, is 67 years old. What that means is when you turn 67, you get the full amount of whatever they've projected for Social Security. You can continue for the next three years to earn 8% per year more. So, for example, if it's $2,000 a year, next year it would be 2160 and then another 8%, so 2320 plus a little bit of there, so probably 2325 So it goes up at 8% per year, and it's actually a fraction of a percent per month as well. So you just have to decide, do I want to retire a little earlier and start collecting my check, knowing I'm going to be receiving less, but I'm going to have two, three, four months or years worth of checks that I wouldn't have otherwise. So it's a formula. Okay. He's 67 and is at his full social security, full retirement age. I turned 65 this November. We're selling our house and should net over $650,000, even in this market. In our retirement accounts and IRAs, we have over $1.2 million. Our kids both live in Idaho. We both don't mind the cold, but are in disagreement over the amount of time we should spend there. My question to you is this. Do you think we have enough money to have two houses and split our time because we prefer not to have a mortgage? Our total income between Social Security and a pension is about $8,000 per month. Okay, this is a, a, an important part because Steve and Lillian, you guys have this at play here. Number one, you have to ask yourself, how much do I need to live on? Right? I didn't get that info from you, so I understand that. Uh, I'm going to assume that it's more than enough as far as the $8,000 to live on. Let's just call it that. But this is a big part of your formula as well. Are you able to live the life that you want to live? on that kind of income. Because I'm all right if you have a small mortgage somewhere else. So let me tell you what I would do. First of all, I want you to start with a a website. It's called marketwatch.com. Now it's a little difficult to get to. They don't make it easy to find in the search engine world. Uh, I had a very, very small part, but I did help develop this. It's, It's called Where Do You Retire? Where to Live? And it allows you to go through these checkboxes. So they have five key things. They call them must-haves and then five nice-to-have. 
and you can go through a list of things. You click on them and there's a drop down and there's various, so there's a main category, then there's sub, sub uh, areas that you might find that's important. Where you, you do this and why you go through this process is because you need to pick, in my opinion, three states. All right. It used to be you would have to pick the entire United States and it would just randomly select. Or you can pick one or two or four states. Today, it's either three states or the entire United States. I'm going to recommend that both of you select the same three states. Okay, this is important. Now, if you both decided that you're going to be in Idaho for at least part of the time, and I'll get to you uh, in a second as far as what my solution is for this, then I want you to do this. Whether or not you decide to move outside of the United States, uh, outside of California, rather, permanently or part-time, maybe you're between California and Idaho, just be sure that you spend more time in Idaho and it's, it's a greater uh, part of your life than California, and that will help you and keep you from being taxed in California on your income. Because California is very particular about how much time you spend here and what, what it uh, does to your income tax world. All right, it's called Home is Where the Heart Is. It's this real random and uh, it's almost like trying to grab smoke. They're, they're trying to show you maybe sort of that they're smart and where do you get your dentist work, dental work done? Uh, where's your pet veterinarian? Uh, where's your gynecologist? Where's your, your uh, pharmacy? And on and on. And if those things are all located in California, even though you might spend seven or eight months in a different state, they still might come and say, well, maybe you are a California resident enough for me to tax you. A lot of friends I know sell every piece of real estate they own in California, so there's zero connection back here because they're tired of all the, especially if you're in the higher income, man, they'll hunt you down. That They think you're the biggest criminal around, says the government employee with the pension and the paid health care. Right? It's kind of like the, the tax collector of days of old. Right, uh, Even in, in the time of Jesus, these people would steal. The reason tax collectors were, were crooks, it wasn't just because they came and collected taxes for the king or the emperor. It's because they stole some of it and put it in their own pocket. So they would tax you more than what you were really required to pay. So tax collectors were hated. Now today they don't do that. They just get benefits and pensions and pay raises and union days a huff. So maybe it's the same. I don't know. So here's their question. Should we have, uh, do we have enough money to have two houses and split our time? They prefer not to have a mortgage. All right. So here's between social security and a pension is 8,000 a month. One of the things that's different between you and uh, Steve and Lillian is this. Lillian, you took the time to write this. So I would hope that it is just as important to Steve as well. So make sure that it is because if it is, then you both can come to a conclusion and it's a proactive approach. You both log on to this website, you click on it's free, you click on the three states that you want to live or the two states or even one, and then you fill out a list of questions. Everything from what kind of humidity do you like? Do you want hospitals or airport nearby? What matters to you in, in political affiliation? Is, so certain things matter. You only get to choose five must-haves. And then there are five nice-to-haves, which is, well, it's nice to have it. I'd love to get all ten. But these five first ones, that's the most important. Then what it does, so you can have basically first place, second place, if you will. And you go through through a series of, of questions, clicking, clicking. And then you click the button that says, and where should I live? And up pops 10 different cities 
or counties, regions, if you will, but mostly it's cities of the states in which you chose. Now, here's what I would do. If you guys both know you're going to have something by your kids in Idaho, let's just say it's southern Idaho, uh, just because most people are moving there. In Idaho, it's, it's usually to the south, the Boise, Nampa, Meridian, Eagle area. And in that southern Idaho area, maybe you find a condominium or a townhome. Wherever you're going to spend less of your time, I would have something like that. Maybe if you're going to spend most of your time in Idaho and less in uh, another part of the country, then you find a place that your kids would come and visit. You see, this is the key. Ready? You want a place that they want to come to visit. They love you. They care about you. The grandchildren want to come. But man, if you're on the beach in Florida, you probably might get a few more visitors. Just saying. Right? If, if you're on uh, the coast of Biloxi, Mississippi, and you're right on the water and you have a boat and you can afford to live there because it's, it's less expensive and it's beautiful weather, and well, maybe, just maybe, the kids will come and the grandchildren will come and spend more time. So find... The, if, you're, if you're confident that Idaho is the place, then the only three states that I want you to put are the secondary states. Because the question is 1.2 million. Here's how we do it. The 1.2 million, I can turn into about $3,000 to $3,500 a month in income for as long as both of you live. So if we, live, if we add that to the 8,000, in other words, 1.25, that's in retirement accounts. If that 1.25 is in retirement accounts, and then you're going to have 650000 in cash, I would use that cash as a down payment or even a good, uh, even cash pay, paid for one of the properties, a down payment on the other property, and use that 3500 a month as a payment. Meaning you can still keep some of your cash available, one or 200000 liquid, the $3,500 a month wasn't coming in yesterday. We flip a switch. The $1.2 million starts kicking out this $3,000 or $3,500 a month in income. Comes in the front door, pays the mortgages and the expenses on the second property. Now, you still have the $8,000 net to live on. Because the $3,500 comes from the income generated from the $1.2 million. Comes in the front door, goes out the back. And you receive a home or a townhome to live in. The other main house that you buy, wherever it is, that's going to be paid for with cash. Again, maybe it's the townhome, maybe it's the second home on the, on the water, whatever it might be. But what's most important, you better have good hobbies, something to do, something to be a part of. Because maybe you don't like the, the winner, but you can go back and forth. And if somebody else is watching your townhome, right, because you're in an association, you pay those fees. Then when you're there in southern Idaho, you have a chance to be with your family and friends and not worry about mowing lawns and maintenance and all the other baloney that goes with it. The rest of the year, six or eight or nine months out of the year, if you're going to be in whatever, Florida or Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, whatever it is along the coast, if you guys like the water. And, and let me back up. Folks, you understand that I, I am reading a, the, the meat of the email. I happen to know a little bit more about these folks. They want to be by the water. They want to be in a warmer climate. At least she does sometimes. Okay, so that's why they're talking California. It's why I bring up other parts of the, the country that have a warmer climate. 
And here's a, a, a part that matters. The amount of time that you spend there, one of those places is going to have to be your quote home. So if you're going to look at a place that is your quote home, I want it to be in a place with no sales, uh, with no state income tax. So that is why I'm emphasizing the, the coast of Texas, Corpus Christi, whatever that might be. It could be Florida, the panhandle. Whatever it might be that gives you a place where you're close to the water because you guys like water sports, you said, where it gives you a chance to have a great life, but you're going to pay zero in income tax for the state. So then the $3,500 a month that comes in, if you were in the state of California, that would cost you around $350 a month in taxes. 10% plus probably. So that extra $350 a month, that's your condo association. That's your townhome association. Your homeowners association if you have a house. You can have a pretty nice whatever it is for $350 a month in most of the country. So that's a big difference. Again, if you like Southern Idaho, you stay there three, five, eight months out of the year. Whenever the grandchildren and the children are, are available, you're there. When they're busy, well, then you should be somewhere else. But I want that somewhere else to be where they will come and visit. You see, that's the key. Do your grandchildren like Disney? Maybe you're close to Disney World. Do your grandchildren like the water sports, cruises, uh, being on the beach, surfing? Well, then you find a place like that. Because if all of those places work for you, then the goal is to have the kids with you, right? So I like the idea. You're going to buy the main house, the main place with most of the purchase, uh, the sale price, the net from your home. And as long as you guys can live on $8,000 a month, then you could retire anytime. But make sure your hobbies and your time are spent. One of the things that I like about this MarketWatch site, when you scroll down, it will say, do I want to be close to an airport, right, in a metro area? I think for you, that is a necessary. You should check the must-have button for that because the must-have means that you and or your grandchildren can get back and forth without having to hop, skip, and a jump around uh, many airports. One of the things you might do is find the airport that is the constant. For example, if it's Boise, Idaho, and you just solve backwards, so you can say, where is there a direct flight from Boise? Is it to Dallas? Is it to Pensacola? Is it to Biloxi? Is it to Orlando? And you find where there's a direct flight because that saves your day. You don't have to hop, skip, and a jump between two and three and four different airports sometimes. right? It's difficult when you live in these secondary cities because you've got to make sure you make the connection flight and with the delays. and you know They're not going to fix this shortage of stuff for a long time. Right, whether it's flight attendants or airline pilots. When you as a government let people go, you understand they get paid to do nothing and then you scare the daylights out of them. Right? Some of you are listening, still wear your stinking mask. Why didn't you tie a rabbit's foot around your left ankle? Oh, Eric, it, it works. It does not work. Oh, where did I get my medical degree? 42 doctors I've interviewed. Doctors, respiratory therapists, nurse practitioners, and RNs. Let's be clear. 42 of them. Six of them say you should wear a mask. Six. The rest of them laugh. Now, they do this privately. And why? 
because they say, first of all, when was the last time you guys were trained on how to use PPE, personal protection equipment? Uh, never. The second thing they ask is, look, uh, do you understand that if you have the same mask in your pocket or your purse, you transferred, if, if it does stop uh, viruses, you just transferred the virus everywhere. Your back pocket, your left pocket, your review mirror, your, your console in your car. I've seen people with six and eight masks on their uh, blinker, right? <laughs> like, and then you wear your mask in your car by yourself walking down the street. I was at a, a fancy uh, hamburger restaurant. I won't tell you the name in and out. It was a great place. Like it. Love the hamburgers, actually. And there must have been this guy, probably 150 to 160 pounds overweight, walks across the parking lot wearing a mask. Now, my wife and I are sitting outside eating because we have the dog with us. And I'm looking and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's walking across the whole parking lot wearing this mask. Let's see what kind of food he orders. And he's by himself. When, he, when you order the largest hamburger possible and two of the animal fries, do you think that's going to kill him first? Because you, every place you eat, whether it's a great hamburger restaurant or not, you do it in moderation. right? Everybody will tell you, don't eat that morning, noon, and night. It's not healthy. And so I look at this guy and I'm thinking, you really think wearing that mask is what's going to save your life? How about putting down some of the, oh, I don't know, some of the food? I don't mean you're a bad guy, but but we're playing charades here. We're playing make-believe, right? So folks, Steve and Lillian, if you want to live in a place where people are not playing make-believe, right, where there's this little fantasy and this little game and you got to play and I got to play, I'm going to call you a he, she, me, and you got to call me a they, them, the who, and and we're playing this game, and I got to pretend, and you got to pretend, and everybody's pretending. If you want to do that, then you go to one of the more liberal states, just the way it is. If you want a conservative, more of a conservative lifestyle, then maybe Florida's the answer, right? If DeSantis becomes our next president, everybody's talking. Tom Cotton wants to be our next president. I've met with him numerous times. He's very coy about it. He's got a great pedigree, if you will. I, had a, I think he was a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. Uh, uh, certainly was somebody who worked in the Army. And, and uh, I may be wrong on the pilot. I know that he worked in that world because I heard him talking uh, with somebody else at our table. But uh, very big in the military support world. Loves our military. That's important. Because you have to have a strong military. But can he lead? I don't know. I think he can. Right? Let's see. Let's see what happens. Do I like DeSant uh, DeSantis' common sense? Yeah. Do I wish Tom Cotton would get a little bit more excited about them, some things? Because he's, he's fairly kind of monotone about it. Yeah, Tom. And I like you. And, and you're a nice guy. But I'm not sure what gets you excited. Something has to. Because people aren't going to listen to facts. Remember... It's not how it works. Screaming and yelling. You have to be a little bit more passionate about things. Not irrational, but passionate. So, Stephen Lillian, as the times are changing, can you afford two homes? Yes. Do you want to move outside of California? It's probably a smart idea. Reason, mainly, reason, main reason is this. One, your income is kind of high for the state. You'll be considered one of the more, if you will, the rich in the state. So they will tax you pretty high. 
Number two is your kids are outside of California and grandchildren. So chances are that's probably where you're going to spend most of your time. Both your kids are there. It's probably not a chance that they're going to come back this direction just because uh, of the cost of living. It's difficult. Very. And you guys are young enough. You have 25, 30, 30 plus years. One of you will pass first and then being close to family matters a lot. So being close to them makes a difference. And what I find is that if you don't leave in your 60s, it's nearly impossible to leave in your 70s. It's just the way it goes. Very difficult. If you can leave in your 50s, it's better. But in your 60s, that's kind of it. And simply because you get rooted so deeply here that to move all of our junk, we all have it, right? A garage or that second bedroom or whatever. We used to just have a junk drawer. Remember that? The junk drawer in the kitchen that you just threw everything in. Now we have junk rooms, junk storage units. So so we're accumulating more stuff. Very difficult to take that with you. And really, my bottom line is, if you're going to do that, my, my question is, why move old furniture anyway? Leave most of that furniture to friends, family. Go to great church organizations, by the way. There's young married couples that are starting out, and they need a, a couch or furniture, an old refrigerator. Some of them do. Okay, so consider that. All right, Stephen Lillian, so that's my, my suggestion. Consider a place you wanted in the warmer weather. I would say make it a place where your kids and grandkids throughout the years are going to want to come and visit. And a place next to a good airport that you can jump on a plane. And if you like to travel to Europe, you can get over to Europe with maybe one stop in New York or something, Atlanta. I don't want you to be in a position to where you are you know, living in a secondary airport where you have to take a hop, skip, and a jump, small airport, small airport, to, before you get to a big airport. Because otherwise, your whole day is flying. If you do it right, you can be somewhere, and then for lunch, or for one week or two weeks, you can fly back, visit grandchildren, watch the graduation, the special event, stay for a week or two in your own place that you would normally be during that other time of year, and then fly back. And you could be there for lunch, come back for dinner, right? Because you're close enough. All right, when I come back, guys, this is a a very unique, I've never had this before. Ron and Linda, it's very interesting to me that you guys send this, and I'm wondering where you got this info from. So I'm going to address this next question for you on your next email, guys, when I return. This is the Total Financial Hour. Here's my number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. And if you want to send me an email, it's Arif at tfswealth.com. T is in Tom, F is in Frank, S is in Sam. It stands for Total Financial Solutions. But I like the phonetics. My my police day comes out. We had to do that as part of our, uh, uh, to graduate, right? Part of our classes. So tfswealth.com, tfswealth.com. So Arif at tfswealth.com. All right, guys, uh, send me an email, questions you have. I would be happy to address it when we come back. I'm going to give you another one that is very interesting. Ron and Linda, it's yours, and it's up next. On the Total Financial Hour, I'm Eric Halby. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Financial. 
Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halabi. This is the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. I want to get into a couple of things that I think are pretty dang important because this is your financial life when it comes to your, uh, well, let's put it this way, to your um, life insurance, your financial life, the retirement world. You've got to realize that your family and friends, the people that matter to you, it doesn't really become different if you're not careful because here's where things change. Your family and friends Everybody's got an opinion on something and everybody's opinion matters. And when it does matter to you, you'll listen. When you think the person's an expert, you'll listen. But here's a very important part. What about life insurance? I want to share with you something that never happened uh, to me before in our financial world, because here's what, what really changed for one of our clients. I get a call from her and it says, uh, Hey, Arif, um, I received a check in the mail and I'm not sure if it's phony, if it's real. Did you send it to me? Is there something I should look at? Does it matter? Or should I just throw it away? Is it a scam? Is it solicitation? I don't know. I said, well, well what does it say? She said, well, it's, uh, it's a check for $250,000. I go, what? Where'd you get a check for 250000 She said, well, it just came in the mail. It's from a legitimate company, from an actual company that we all know of. I said, okay. Well, here's what I would do. This particular life insurance policy that you have is not that company. So most likely, let's just say, most likely it's probably a scam. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to be by your place tomorrow. I'm going to be driving by to go see another client. Why don't you uh, put it together and I'll grab it and I'll take a look at it. She said, all right. So she she gives it to me. I look at it. It's $250,000 and it looks legitimate to me. I said, well, let me make a phone call tomorrow. I'll see what it is. Here's what happened. She was married. She was 18. Her husband was 19. They were married for about two years. Never, uh, and then divorced, never had children. They were married for a couple of years. During that period of time, he got a job with the city of Los Angeles. And they give you that free insurance, you know, that free insurance. And they give you uh, one times your salary or whatever it is. And he buys a little bit more. Well, his job, uh, he gets promoted, he gets promoted. Now, they're divorced, gone. They both, a few years later, marry different people, have children, separate lives completely. Really haven't even seen each other or talked to each other since. It's a small little thing, married, divorced. Meanwhile, he keeps increasing his life insurance. Hi, you now may, you're now a director of so-and-so. Do you want to increase your life insurance? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pay a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit more. So he keeps increasing his life insurance. Now, what he never did is change the beneficiaries. So the way life insurance works or anything that is beneficiary driven is the beneficiary is like in stone. It's very difficult to change, if not impossible. You have to allege fraud and and prove it. And so for these 25 years, he had another beneficiary than his wife and kids, but he thought they were his beneficiary. He used family money, his own money, but but he's married and they put the money in a pot. And he moved pretty high up in the world of 
of, of what he was doing for the city of Los Angeles. So this particular life insurance policy, ready for this? Uh, yeah, was $250,000. And at $250,000, he um, dies. And they send her the check. And it's tax-free. And you're going to... So she has a choice. She can recuse it, says, no, I don't want it. It goes back into the life insurance company. Then they find the next of kin, which would be his wife. And then they would give it to her. Or our client could keep the 250000 and nobody says anything. It's just her money. I mean, people might say things, let's put it that way, but there's nothing they could do about it. Well, guess what she chose to do? What, what would you do? Yeah, she kept it. A quarter of a million dollars tax-free, she kept it. Now, the other wife, the, the legitimate wife, right, the, the current wife, was, was livid, was very upset. The kids were very upset. This was dad. Dad didn't ever want you to have this. He intended it to go to his current wife. And so there's a, there's a part of the rules, the law. It's called, uh, well, it's Latin. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to you. It's called tough luck. <laughs> tough luck. Sorry. Tough luck, as they say, which meant the ex-wife got to keep the money. I'm, you know, I don't know if it's really Latin. I just kind of made that up. There's very few Latin words I know. All right. Important because beneficiaries are everything in these accounts. Who you put down, you need to do a beneficiary checkup. You can give us a call. We'll review things with you. Make sure it's what you want it to be. Beneficiary checkups are very key because things change over the years. People predecease you, relationships change. You need to make sure that if it's if it's laid out the way you want it to be, then fine, let's keep it that way. But be very careful, right? This is your financial life and nobody else is going to care for it when you pass away. It's it's like the musical chairs. The music stop stopped. Whoever gets the chair gets the chair. Those who don't, tough luck. Okay, so here's Ron and Linda's. Ready? My wife and I have had a life insurance uh, have had life insurance our entire life. We've raised our three kids to be productive adults and do not feel they need any money from us when we pass away. My question is, should we cancel our our policies since we have saved nearly two million dollars and have both our main house and our vacation home paid for? We have a long term care policy that is for five years. It pays for five years and pays two hundred and fifty dollars per day. The first 90 days in a facility is on us. We are both going to turn 70 later this year. Should we look at selling the life insurance policies? Should we just cancel them? Should we take the cash value out and do what with it? Ron and Linda. Okay, let me explain some of this so that you have an idea of what you can do with life insurance policies. Now, there are three main life insurance policies out there. There's a term life. Now, what is term life? It's just what it sounds. It's the least expensive if you're young and you have a family and you're trying to, to have as much life insurance as possible in case something happens to you, it is the best one, right? It's the least expensive, but it's for the shortest period of time. You can do 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years, okay? The longer you go out, the more expensive it's going to be. 
The shorter you go out, the less expensive. What does the term mean? So let's say you have a 20-year term policy. That means once you're approved, most policies are this way, and it's certainly the ones I want you to get if you're going to get a term policy. Okay? It's this. Once you're approved, they cannot raise the cost and they cannot lower the coverage for that time period, for 20 years. Now, you can cancel anytime you want, and if you do, you cancel. It's similar to car insurance. If you crash your car, they pay. If you don't crash your car last year, they're not going to send you a check this year and say, hey, you didn't crash your car. Here's your money back. No, no, it's term insurance. You had it as a just in case. That's why it's the least expensive because insurance companies know that of a thousand people that buy them that are men between the ages of 40 and 45, how many of them actually die? Now, they don't know which one of the thousands are going to die, but they do know that a certain percentage of them will. Maybe it's 50 or maybe it's 100, whatever the number is. Of that thousand, they're going to collect premiums from everyone and they know that they're only going to have to pay out on a certain percentage, small number of them. They keep some for profit. They pay it for the other guy, right? Just like if you drive a Mercedes S-Class and it's a $140,000 car. It's like, oh my gosh, it's my favorite. Yeah. And you drive it out of the lot and then you park in a parking lot and then you come out and it's stolen and, and stripped and trashed and crashed. And you're like, what am I going to do? It's a $150,000 car. And you've only paid maybe $250 in premiums, right? $125 a month for the last two months. Well, you call up the insurance company and they give you a new car, right? How can they do that? How can they give you a $150,000 car when you haven't even paid $300 in premiums, right? $250, easy, because they collect that $250, but from 1,000 people or 10,000 people. You follow me? Same thing with life insurance. They're taking a chance you're going to live. You're taking a chance you're going to die. That is term insurance. For a period of time that you want to guarantee, that's the best way to do it. Now, there's another one called whole life insurance. The cost is much higher. The guarantees are for your entire life, usually till age 100. So, again, they know how many people keep the insurance policies, how many people cancel them, how many people die, and how many people live to age 100. So, the cost is much higher. So for, for another, in other words, let's say you were having a term insurance policy, you're 40 years old and you had a 20-year term insurance. You might pay $50 a month for $500,000 worth of life insurance. Okay, that's amazing. If you die in the next 20 years, 50 bucks a month gets you 500000 for your family. Okay, that's great. But now if you had a whole life insurance policy, the $50 a month might buy you $25,000 worth of life insurance. Right? I mean, it's, it's night and day. But it's going to be there past 20 years. It'll be there up till age 80, 90, 100, usually till age 100, your entire life. Okay, so you need to know that because that's the two different main kinds. What's another one that most people are getting these days? It's the most common one sold today. It's called a fixed indexed universal life or an IUL, indexed universal life insurance policy. Okay, the IUL or the indexed universal life insurance policy is a bit of a hybrid of the both, meaning there's a cash value component, 
but you get a bit more coverage or even a lot more coverage. You can use that cash value to live on tax-free later on in life, 12, 15, 20 years from now. You can use it to pay for long-term care insurance. In that, Inside of that life insurance policy, you have the option to use some of that money to help pay for long-term care if you need it. And if you pass away, what's left in that policy goes to your children or your family or your husband or your wife. Okay, so the reason I explain that to you guys is for this simple reason. There are other purposes for life insurance policies. So many people just cancel them. I want you to consider and to look at maybe selling it. There's things called viaticals. There's things called life settlements. These two different products. One is uh, whether or not you have a terminal illness and you want to accelerate it. In other words, give me the money now. I need it. We had a client 20-something, seven years ago who used it uh, sold some of his life insurance specifically to pay for a liver transplant because his health insurance wouldn't pay for it. So they said, you're terminal. You're going to die if you don't get this surgery. Submitted that stuff to the insurance company. They gave him a $100,000 accelerated benefit. He used that to pay for his uh, liver transplant. And there you go. Still alive today, as far as I know. So there are ways that you can reach out of those indexed universal life policies and take money out while you're still alive, while you can still use it. You don't have to die in order to use it. We see these a lot. They're called hybrid. It's just a marketing name. It's, there's no fancy stuff to it. They use a dual use or hybrid or multiple use, whatever. It's the same thing. You can take it out cash for you to live on. You can take it out for long-term care. You can take it out and give it to your, or when you pass away, your family can, can use it to tax-free. All of those things are tax-free, by the way, provided you just play by those rules. But in this particular case, Ron and Linda, do you need your life insurance? I want you to look at maybe selling it. I don't know if it's possible. It's not something we do as a firm, but we have had clients come to us who said that it's worked very well for them. So you're going to have to use your little fancy Google machine, get in there, and find a company and compare them. See what the difference is, right? Look at different ones. See if you can sell your policies. It doesn't, uh, you didn't indicate what the face amounts are, what the insurance amounts are. But if you want to sell your life insurance policy, somebody else is going to buy it. Companies usually, hedge funds, and ready for this, psh, don't tell anybody. But Warren Buffett is buying life insurance policies. And are you ready for this? Life insurance companies are buying back their own policies. Because they know that eventually they're going to have to pay out the big number, so they give you a smaller number and lock in that guarantee. Pretty interesting, isn't it? A lot of life insurance companies are becoming in the business of buying back some of their own or competitors' policies. Very interesting. This isn't the right place to discuss this in detail because I need whiteboards and charts to make it make sense, but just know that that's happening behind the scenes. So, Look to see what it might be. Let's say, for example, your life insurance policy is a million dollars, just just for the heck of it. Okay, if it's a million dollar policy, how much will they give you at age 70 to buy it back from you? And let's say you're healthy. There's no, I mean, maybe typical, a little bit of high blood pressure, maybe cholesterol, medication, whatever, but everything else is normal. No, no terminal illness or anything crazy going on there. All right, here's what I'd like you to do. 
I want you to think of something very clearly. Would they give you some of that money up front? Most likely, it'll be something like two or three or four hundred thousand at the most, four hundred, but probably two or three hundred thousand. Pretty important. Okay, you need to know that. Why not all million? Well, because they're going to have to pay the premiums for the next few years. Right? I mean, and they, they're going to have to. This is important. They're going to have to pay to keep this policy in force until you die. And if your life expectancy is age 90 by the time they do all their formulas, that means for 20 years they have to pay the premiums. Well, that's an investment for them. And they're going to have to get money back. So buying a life insurance policy, they're never going to give you half of the money. I mean, you have to be close to dying within a very short period of time so they can double their money in the next six months. Maybe they would do that. I don't know. But realistically, it's 20 or 30%. That's been my experience with our clients that have done this from other sources. We don't do it. Again, it's not our thing. All right, so what would you do with that? Well, it could be taxable. You need to meet with your CPA and decide whether or not it is. And let's say they end up with 200000 Well, gosh, you can do almost anything with it. You could help out your children. You could uh, prepay your burial plots and then some. Right? You can do things in life that you wouldn't be able to do at uh, age 75 or 80 or 85, but do them today at 69, 70. You could set aside that first 90 days of a facility, right? Remember, the first 90 days of any long-term care, in their, in their particular case, any long-term care event is going to be on them. So we just do 90 times $250 a day, right? That's uh, $20,000 times two. I don't know what the math. Let's say you put fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 aside, and the job of that is to pay for the long-term care facility that they would need to go to. But really the most important, listen, I, I get it, especially a lot of uh, a lot of people raised in the American way are different than people that are raised first or even second generation from the old country, whatever that is. From Italy to Lebanon to Israel to uh, not Western European normally, but Eastern European countries, uh, certainly certain Asian countries, Central America, where the family, everybody kind of stands on each other's shoulders, right? We lift up the next guy, we lift up the next one, as opposed to, I'm in it for myself. You see that a lot in a lot of the Western European countries. I'm in it for me. That's why when they, they did this EU thing, I, I made comments, it's never going to last. Because the European Union has nothing to do between Norway and Sweden and Finland, they're irrelevant to the lifestyle of Portugal and Italy. They're not the same people, right? They don't have the same work ethic. They don't have the same family values. They don't have the same uh, uh, guarantees in life, right? That what they want in life is not the same. You can say, oh, everybody loves their children. Of course they love their children. How dumb are you? Oh, everybody wants... No, they don't. No. You see, if you've ever heard of Mediterranean countries, they work so that they could live lovely, wonderful, try new things, have a new 
uh, you know, have a new lifestyle that is different. In the Northern European countries, they work, they live so that they can work. Same thing in America. We live so we can work. We get our two weeks and 10 minutes off. Unless you work for the government or a school district, right? Then you get three, four, five months off, depending on how they structure it. But in reality, they're, they're different people. So you are a different person in your life insurance needs than somebody else. So I would like to have you look at selling it, but do something with the money. Enjoy life. Ready for this? This is where I think we're different. I don't know your background, Ronald Linda, but I would give it to my kids and let, let them get a boost in life, meaning they can buy a house in a better school district. They can uh, set aside money so their kids can go to a private school that's more academically driven towards their desire, whatever they want. One wants to be a scientist, one wants to be a whatever. That's what I would do because you guys have nearly $2 million saved, two homes that are paid for. Your long-term care is basically taken care of. I think it'd be nice to watch some of the inheritance be pre-given, right? Pre-death inheritance to your children or grandchildren. Don't just buy them a car that's going to you know, go down in value. That's silly. But give them something that they can have for the rest of their life. That's what I would do. Okay, what else? If you choose to cancel it, they will give you whatever cash value is left in that policy. And most of that is going to be a tax-free event, usually. And the reason is because the cash value in that account is probably less than what you paid for the policy. So you have a loss on your taxes. Again, you're going to meet with your CPA and check this out. But in the life insurance world, should you sell your policy? I like the idea of at least considering it. And you can you can push two against each other, meaning one company says, we'll give you 225 Another one, well, hey, what, what will you give us? They, they said 225 well, we'll give you 256 Okay, you know, maybe there's a, a push and pull. You can go back and forth, pit them against each other so you can ultimately see, is there a benefit towards one or the other? And again, I like the idea if you can walk through and, and see at least where there is, uh, where there's something you can sell. In the life insurance world, guys, I want to encourage you, you need to have multiple sources of income in retirement. And because life insurance can give out tax-free money various ways, as a death benefit, it's tax-free. If you pull out the cash value because it's a loan, right? You just do it right. There's formulas. That's a tax-free event. Okay, so these are important. If you need it for long-term care, again, a tax-free event. So the right life insurance policy, and you don't have to be perfectly healthy. You can have basic things wrong with you. We all do. But if you have the same things wrong with you at age 50, but you're 32 and they go, wait a second, you have high blood pressure and cholesterol. We would expect that at 56, not at 32. So they might say, oh, well, we have a problem. Same thing with your height and weight, right? You might be a little shorter for the weight that you have. So, so we need to have that formula run. But I want to encourage you, give us a call. If you have a question on life insurance, you want a second opinion, you want us to review that, we can do that for you. There's never a cost. There's never a fee. Maybe we can help. Maybe we can save you money. And if not, at least you'll know you have a pretty good plan and maybe you should keep it. I've got to do one of those later this week where I'm sitting down with somebody. We're reviewing some of their old plans. They both are physicians. 
They said, we bought this some time ago. Is it still good? Well, I'll take a look at it. If it is, I'll tell you. Now you'll know. And if not, I'll give you some solutions. That's what we do. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Eric Hallaby. Part of what you want to do in your life is make sure you have the right people around you. Not just your friends and family, right? That matters. But also the professionals. Make sure you have the right tax preparer, the right attorney. Make sure you have the right financial advisor, financial professional. All of these people have a role to play. And all of them should be speaking fairly clearly. Not so that you think they're the smartest people in the room, so they use big words. But so they're clear and concise. And they speak to you. And I think that's the way to respect you. And that's what we do. This is Eric Hallaby. Thanks for listening on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial